a shorthanded chance. Yenmark down the middle. Score! Matias Yenmark, shorthanded goal. From the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. Puck comes out high. Watt gets the puck off to the races. Into the zone. The righty. Right circle. Backhander. He scores! What a move! Nicholas Watt gets the Knights back in the lead. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Your destination for inside access with the team. Exclusive player interviews and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here are your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Welcome in Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports Las Vegas. Ryan Wallace out here, Finley Volkswagen in the Valley Auto Mall. Get down here, say hello to me. Final one, I believe, that we're doing during the regular season. Certainly the final one of the regular season. We'll see beyond that. Uh, Jeremy Millard, Studio 31. Chris Chapman back inside the Finley Chevrolet, Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios. Finley Chevrolet on the 215, home of the... Oh, so the Gremlins were at it again, trying to keep us off the air. You cannot stop the VGK Insider Show. Even though we're at uh, three different places, we are coming together and we are going to dissect what happened last night uh, for the Vegas Golden Knights uh, up against uh, a team that was uh, in a different position, much different position than the Vegas Golden Knights uh, while scoreboard watching, and ends up that uh, the Vegas does what they have to do. They push it to the to the very end, and they get it to a shootout with an opportunity to win it, all while keeping an eye on that out-of-town scoreboard with the Dallas Stars, who seemingly had full control against the Arizona Coyotes and were up 3 nothing. but as it got... Uh, closer and closer in the third period didn't your feelings change you guys about what was about to happen uh between vegas and chicago and dallas and arizona um i I felt like the golden knights had to win it in overtime because there was there was not any legitimate you know good vibes or feelings that i had going into a shootout not Nah, just because of recency bias, and, and it, it kind of bore out that way. But um, it, it became really interesting is, is, I guess, the best way that I could describe it. Um, it, was, it was really fun watching and having one eye on one game and one eye on the other game and seeing it legitimately come down to Vegas losing the point yes. they needed and Dallas gaining the point that they needed. At the same time. The, at the same time, yeah, exactly. And, and like, it's funny because, you know, pregame – Mark Stone said to Dan Duva that, you know, you, you wanted to at least make Dallas earn it a little bit by going out and winning a game. And the fact of the matter is both things happened at the same time. So it's just kind of one of those uh, mysteries of the universe where um, it, it, no one lost it. No one won it. It just happened simultaneously. I, I, think, I think Dallas had to earn it by what happened with Vegas and, <laughs> and going to uh, yeah. overtime or being tied and then going to overtime and then to the shootout and the possibility that was uh, just hanging in the balance and being able to uh, to pull out that extra point. Dallas had to hold on somehow, some way. And uh, because that game uh, went to overtime, I don't know whether there was um, a sag or not uh, in the shootout, but that that's a really strange one uh, for Vegas to go through what they've done, and if you say I'll take two points out of the three in the shootout, which I think would be adequate, uh, three out of three would be greedy uh, between uh, what they've done between uh, the the San Jose Sharks and the Dallas Stars and then the Chicago Blackhawks, but, but two out of three, that's logical. 
that that changes everything regarding t- tomorrow night. And then to to not be able to score a single goal in those fourteen is beyond puzzling. I, mm-hmm. I can't figure it out, to be quite honest. I mean, I, I think it's the weight of of expectations and the weight of the the moment. And you know, it's it's not to suggest that that this team. Um, can't can't get it done when it's needed but I just think that there's a lot of pressure in those situations and you know for for Nick Waugh who's usually automatic in the shootout for Shea Theodore who's usually automatic in the shootout um, you know you look back to San Jose and and James Reimer was really dialed in and on time and, and maybe even where he needed to be before uh, th- those guys made their moves and then you know you, you look at Dallas Jake Ottinger just kind of sold out, did his part, did what he had to do. And then last night, I, I, you know, Kevin Lankin, and like, it, it just, it's it's unfathomable to me. You could go 0 for 17 over the course of three straight games in the shootout with your season on the line. I, I'll, I don't I'll really one up understand you. it. I'll one-up you and go 34 tries with three goals in the National Hockey League with Four different goalies, which I wouldn't have called Vesna Trophy favorites at the start of the year. Logan Thompson wasn't in the league. Kevin Lankinen was uh, strongly a backup at the start of the league. James Reimer's trying to resurrect his his career, and this and Jake Ottinger was a backup. That's the really strange one from from uh, an overall perspective is that, that you had 31 saves out of 34 shootout tries over the last three games. Yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy. Like, I, again, I, you know, you look at it and you say two out of three, you're absolutely right. The, if you get six out of seven from your goaltender in the shootout, you should win those shootouts. Yes. I, I, I mean, plain and simple. That, that's what, that's what should have happened. That's what needed to happen for the golden Knights. You want some, uh, some numbers here based yeah. on historical data. Mm-hmm. where the Golden Knights are with this shootout slump that they're in. St. Louis Blues also went over three games, 17 straight, mm-hmm. without scoring. Wow. That was in 2016, early uh, in that. that. That was actually over over a couple of um, months, mm. but it was 0 for, for 17. It wasn't like this where it jumps out at you three straight games. It was over over January, February, and March. But they, they went 17 straight without scoring a goal over three games. Then it's the Philadelphia Flyers mm. in 2021 and 2022. So that's this year. They went 18 straight. So they're one beyond what Vegas has. Third worst, third longest streak, Belongs to the Washington Capitals back in 2014. Over four games, they missed 19 in a row. Hmm. That team has some pretty good scores on it. And they went 19 straight. Yeah. So it's it's this isn't just a, a Vegas that's affected by this. Uh, it, it goes uh, to, to, to teams that were uh, full of confidence. Los Angeles Kings on the second longest shootout slump. 2015, over the course of six games, they didn't score a goal in the shootout over a half dozen games, 22 straight attempts. Wow. But the longest shootout slump in NHL history 
goes over five games from late 2014 to early 2015 by the Boston Bruins. 27 in a row. Wow. So here's the good thing. We aren't getting to 27 tomorrow night. I don't oh, care what I don't care Darren. what I don't oh, care Darren. what happens oh, against the St. Louis Blues. Oh, We're Darren. not going 10 deep tomorrow oh, night Darren. with the oh. uh, against the St. Louis Blues. Chapman. So so that's that's a positive. Chapman, please flag this. Okay? Like I I I need to make sure that we have this ready to go for a promo. 27 <laughs> in a row is the longest streak ever by the Boston Bruins. Yeah. 22 is second, yeah. 19 is third, 18, and then the Vegas Golden Knights and the St. Louis Blues each went 17 in a row without without scoring. Now, Darren Elliott and I broke down what happened against the, the Dallas a little bit. And him being a former National Hockey League goaltender and an Olympian, uh, he looked at it and thought there wasn't a lot of uh, variation in speed. Uh, certainly more shots than than normal. Uh, a lot of that has to do with ice conditions. Remember, the, the shortest shootout was on the best ice that the mm-hmm. Vegas Golden Knights played in. That was at T-Mobile Arena, fourth best ice voted by the players in, in the National Hockey League. And then you get into Dallas and then uh, Chicago where you go seven deep in, in each side. And you, because of the ice conditions, you may be told by a coach or another player, or you, the back of your mind, you may be told, I can't deke in this situation because I don't trust the ice. And we, we saw the ice uh, have an impact on a couple of these where, where the puck bounced. Now, that, that I may be reading too much into that, but I, I think that limits your options uh, a little bit and also may explain why both Dallas and Chicago went so deep uh, between the two and, and you, you only got a goal in the seventh round of each one. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that's fair. Obviously, you're you're going to try to at least make it certain that you, you make the goaltender make a save or, or you get the puck to the net. You don't want to have a situation where you try to make a move and the goalie doesn't even have to do anything because the puck either uh, bounces over your stick or goes into the corner, you lose the handle. So, I, I mean, I, I think that, you know, you can, you can talk me into that for sure, but at, at the end of the day, over the course of two games, 0 for 14, when you're getting that level of compete and battle from Logan Thompson stopping six of seven. Um, and with the talent that the Golden Knights have with the uh, ability to rip a shot that Max Pacioretty has and Jack Eichel has, um, you, you have to find a goal before you get to round number seven. Like that's you do, just, but, but you didn't. So I, I, I don't well, think, I know. That, but I, this I, is, I don't think this is a situation, Ryan, where you can try harder. It's like goaltending. You can't try harder and be more successful. You, you, you either uh, are, are good because of uh, your approach or you're, you're not as successful. But it's not one where you put in extra effort and you're immediately better. That's the same kind of case with a shootout, That's w- I mean, which makes this even so much more bizarre, Wallace. Yeah, like I'm not, I'm not arguing their, their effort. I'm, I'm arguing you, you find a way. Like Jonathan Marshall so hits the post. You, you have to find a way to execute in that situation, right? Like I, I'm not sitting here saying they didn't try hard enough. I'm saying they didn't execute when they, when they had those looks and those moments. And, you know, 
you can you can parse it down to whatever you need to, but the fact of the matter is you had multiple opportunities to get those points, and it just didn't happen. Wow. What do you think of the game that they played, given everything that was at stake? Oh, so now I get to use the process? Yeah, I, I, I think so. I think that, uh, that last night deserves a, a bigger evaluation, knowing that Dallas only needed a single point was playing one of the worst teams in the National Hockey League. How do you think that uh, that Vegas came out and played that? Um, I thought that it was uh, a little herky-jerky to start. I, I thought falling behind was not ideal, but I liked their immediate response, and I liked who uh, kind of made the play on that response. It was, it was Shea Th- Theodore that kind of, you know, wore that first goal of the game and, and gets it right back for the Golden Knights, so I liked that bounce-back ability. I thought that they were much better defensively in the second period kind of shut the door a little bit for Chicago and then in the third period I thought the Golden Knights had the better of the chances I I didn't mind the game that they played Um, I don't think there was a lack of urgency or anything like that I certainly don't think that they were scoreboard watching I think they were focused on trying to do their part to win their game and it it bore out it showed over the final 35-40 minutes of it like that was an easier much easier game for Chicago than it was for Vegas last night. And that became pretty evident early on mm-hmm. because of what they were able to, to do and accomplish. Uh, uh, if, if it, it, And the other part is, and I'll just put a, a bow on the, on the shootout and how bizarre this season is. Vegas missed, what, 500 games plus man games with injury? Mm-hmm. The only person that scored in the shootout last night is the second player to ever have artificial disc replacement surgery. Mm-hmm. And he got the uh, the go-ahead and in consultation, uh, not not huge, but they, they certainly talked a little bit uh, with, with Jack Eichel. It just wasn't like Tyler Johnson scoring. It just, it, it, there's so many different ways to connect this season in, in bizarre fashions uh, that, that is mind-blowing. Uh, right now, and 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 that's the that's the end of your season. Uh, up until this season, uh, you had nobody have artificial disc replacement surgery, and then the number two guy who talks to the first guy who's on Vegas mm-hmm. uh, about it ends up scoring the goal. Yeah, and and again, like I I think that that kind of gives you an idea of the ripple effect and the impact that that Jack Eichel is going to have on this league and for the players. Uh, that goes beyond hockey. That goes beyond just what he does or doesn't do on the ice. And and you know I, I think that you know that will get lost in criticism here and there. But the fact of the matter is, if not for Jack Eichel doing what he did and and sticking to his guns when it came to what type of surgery he was going to get. Tyler Johnson likely would not have been in that same position and not have been able to do what he did and get himself expedited back into the lineup quickly because he was able to to do it because it became more commonplace than the alternative. We have to get to uh, the overall picture. And the Vegas Golden Knights missed the playoffs for the first time in franchise history. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's an immediacy to this conversation that takes you into an area of what Vegas should do next year. I'm not sure I want to go there today because we have we have plenty of time to boil it down from position to position uh, over the, the next couple of weeks. But this team, based on the injuries that it suffered and the fluidity 
to the lineup. Did it max out, or do you think there was still a little bit left on the table? I think the Golden Knights did the best that they could do with the lineup that they had on a nightly basis. And and the the reason being is you don't get to build and gel as a team when you're constantly faced with points where you're changing the lineup and guys are coming in and out. When all of Mark Stone, Max Pacioretty, and Jack Eichel played less than half of the season, and it's less than half by quite a bit, um, it, it doesn't set you up for success. And so what I thought the Golden Knights did really well, especially early on in the year, was they were able to find points. They were able to find wins. They were getting contributions from the guys that they were calling up. And you can do that for a little while, but over the course of nearly 82 games where you're having to continually find different combinations that work and different lines that you can put out on the ice to, to be impactful, I think it's, it's grating and it wears on you and you expend a lot of energy having to shorten the bench and, and trying to find those difference makers. So um, I think the Golden Knights did and held on as long as they could. I look at injuries as a big reason why this team missed the playoffs this year. And, and never really completely healthy at the same time. Uh, you had the, the defense that went through it and was ravaged by injury yeah. and for long stretches and then had the, the players that were in and out uh, for a couple of weeks. The forwards, we know what happened there with Stone and Pacioretty and Smith uh, and Carlson being out. Uh, Marceau uh, missed some games. Like, everybody missed games. Mm-hmm. But 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 those big-time players uh, were out extended periods of time. And the last one, and the part that, that I don't think gets enough recognition because of the way... Logan Thompson came in and and performed, but th- this team finished the season without its number one goaltender and without its number two goaltender, which takes away options from you. And like Logan was great, he was outstanding. He but he made sixteen starts uh, this season as, as as a rookie, and sixteen starts because they they were out of options. Uh, and and that gives you uh, – uh, does that affect how players play when they've got a fresh-faced rookie in the back end? And I think that that one deserves a little bit more attention and conversation than we've given it. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair point. And, you know, again, I, it, it's credit to Logan Thompson for coming in and, and, and doing his job and, and – being more or less unfazed by what was being asked of him down the stretch. And I think that um, certainly something to, to rally around if you're the Golden Knights, if you're a, a position player and, and you're, you're playing through something, you, 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 you want to do a little bit more, you want to make his life back there a little bit easier. Um, and, you know, I, I think the other thing, just to kind of piggyback off the injuries for a moment, is you, you mentioned without your number one, number two goaltender, but even – through having those stretches with Robin down the stretch, like clearly, clearly not healthy. And the same thing can be said for Mark Stone and Max Pacioretty. Like everybody, I would, I would venture to guess that the majority of the roster was playing through something. And, you know, I'll, I, I push back a little bit on the idea that, well, we've seen what this team looks like healthy or mostly healthy because you had 
Eichel and Stone and Pacioretty and Martinez back in the lineup. And, you know, the only thing that I'm going to say to that is if, if you look at the way Mark Stone was playing and there were there were moments, flashes for Max Pacioretty yeah. where he looked like himself, but it wasn't 100% all the time. I thought Pacioretty I, looked more like himself than Stone did. Oh, 100%. Like, in it, but I, I still think that Like that, that that that's the challenge uh, coming coming into this. Now the, the goaltending, I like there is no expectations uh, placed on Logan Thompson. When when you get down to that spot and and you have your your third string goaltender, like it's any any save is found money, and he came up huge and big in that regard. Uh, before they got there and they had the the, the defensive uh, injuries and out front, they were ex- still expecting to be able to compete. Work hard and score some goals. Uh, I think those are those are different conversations uh, between the blue line and the forwards to the goaltender. Do you agree with that? You'll you'll have to repeat repeat that for me, Darren. I, I I dropped in and out here, so just go ahead and repeat that. Just for just me, the uh, the the idea, like Logan Thompson, when he comes in and they're so uh, desperate, and and Logan Thompson's out. Oh, sorry. Uh, uh, Robin Leonard's out and Laurent Brassois is out. Like there's expectations when you have your third string goaltender, your fourth string goaltender yep. who are playing. Uh, expectations are minimal there. Like it's it's almost non-existent. Like we we hope we get something here, mm-hmm. and anything is going to be great. Just give us a chance, and we hope we can take advantage of it. That's different than when the blue line was out. And you were plugging in some players. You still hope that uh, that you could get uh, Miramanov out there and 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 create some some offense. You you still hope that uh, that Dylan Coglin could uh, supply uh, some some blue line support there and and some offense up front. Uh, Paul Cotter, uh, uh, Jake Lasician, being able to go out there and work hard and generate uh, points and goals, or at least uh, at least draw even the. You, you, you had a level of optimism there where you were able to compete more uh, than, than just the goaltending. And the goaltending ended up being fantastic, Ryan. Mm-hmm. It did. But I, I, I do think that there, there are different levels of expectations between forward and defense and the goalies. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I, I think, you know, you, you, you tried to, as, as best you could, maximize each individual position with what you had at the time. And, you know, I, I think the, the, biggest, the biggest drain to me was losing the defensemen that the Golden Knights did because it, it changes how you defend. It changes how you're able to kind of get pucks where you need them to in, in breaking out. There are subtle plays that guys that have been around this league forever just kind of know how to make and, and I think it sets everything back on course. Like when the Golden Knights got their defense and healthy, um, I, I think that that was one where you kind of expected it or hoped that it would have a, a big, big impact. And then, um, yeah, I mean, I think that you you were just hopeful that Logan Thompson, when he came in, could just kind of continue to give you what he had given you, and he did. And like to his credit, he was a rock for the Golden Knights down the stretch. But, you know, it, at various different points of the season, you had to m- navigate not having your forward core. You had to navigate not having your defensive core at, at many stages at the same time of the season. And then down the stretch, uh, the most important position that you could really look at when you're in a playoff race is your goaltender. And you you were you were resting on Logan Thompson, and he gave you everything he had. 
You're right about that. Uh, let's take a break. When we come back, it's the play of the day from that game last night, and it was a beauty uh, for the Vegas Golden Knights. And I also want to check in with the fan base, the uh, the spokesperson of the VGK fans, and that's being uh, our, our good friend in the studio. And I want to know exactly where he's at today. It's the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. No chance to shoot for Stevenson. Centered. Eichel scores. It's time for the play of the day on the VGK Insider Show. Going to go through a, a little bit of a quick list. Uh, this is more off the top of my head than than anything. But you have a career number of starts and wins by Logan Thompson. You have career number of goals by Zach Whitecloud. You have an incredible total and career uh, list uh, for Shea Theodore uh, on the back end. And then you get up front and you have... Uh, Jonathan Marshall, who has won off his uh, career high four goals. Chandler Stevenson sets a new record for goals. Uh, and then uh, Nick Waugh uh, tops uh, his career high for goals. And Michael Amadio, who off waivers, scores the great goal last night, which comes to you as our play of the day. Stevenson to the middle. Theodore, an extra pass. Score from deep on the left wing. How about that shot from Mike Amadio? Sharp angle. Sneaks it inside at the short post, deep left wing. And the Knights tie it 1-1. Nobody saw it coming, uh, but was uh, required because of the injuries at the start of the year. And the contract out of it. Mm-hmm. What, is, is he one of those, those found players? A lot like Chandler Stevenson was uh, a couple of years ago during an injury situation and brought in and then ended up being paired with two of the, uh, the big wingers and, and found a spot. Is Michael Amadio in two years one of the more stable parts of this team? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that it, it's a player that took advantage of an opportunity, and, and I think that coming into next year it's going to be interesting to see what more you can get out of Michael Amadio. I, I think the comparison to Chandler Stevenson and then maybe even um, to William Carlson, not the breakout, obviously, that William Carlson was year one, but if you can find those diamonds in the rough, if you can find those players that, you know, in the right situation with the right line mates in, in the right spot in the lineup uh, can produce for you and can produce more so more than what their contract indicates, you're in a good spot, so I, I'll be very curious to see what Michael Amadio does next season for the Golden Knights and what he brings to the lineup next year. So that list that I went through, off the top of my head, mm-hmm. does that not shock you that the team's out after game 81 with one game to go when so many different players had career highs? Uh, it it doesn't because you didn't get your your normal output from Max Pacioretty. You didn't get your normal output from Mark Stone. You only got 32 games of Jack Eichel. So, like, while you you list off the career numbers for those guys and you, you look at the types of years that they had, it does not offset what was lost in production from not having Mark Stone, not having Max Pacioretty, not having Riley Smith, not having Jack Eichel for a full year. It just it, it those numbers don't equate. It it should it should get you there though. I have trouble equating that the list uh, of best seasons of their lives to being out with a game to go. I I mean I, it's just you know you're you're talking about 
just 30 points out of Mark Stone, whereas if he was healthy, how many points are you talking about, Darren? Like, if, if Mark Stone plays 82 games, the the rate that he was scoring at the beginning of the season or, or when he came back from his first injury and what he's done historically as a Golden Knight, if you're looking at just getting 29 points out of Mark Stone this year, you need to make up, what, 35, 40 points, and that's just in Mark Stone. Yeah. Who's the MVP of this team? <sighs> Okay, so earlier in the year, if you would have asked me, I'd have said Jonathan Marsh or so. Um, right now, I'm going with Chandler Stevenson. I just think the way that he has played down the stretch here, the last couple of games, to me, it's been Chandler Stevenson, the best Golden Knight on the ice, not named Logan Thompson. So I just think from from what he's been able to do away from Pacioretty and Stone, with Pacioretty and Stone, with a carousel of lineup, line mates, um, I don't have to really talk myself into this one. I think Chandler Stevenson, by the end of 82, has been this team's uh, most valuable player, for sure. Uh, I had Stevenson and Marcheseau as my 1-2. Yeah. I'm still going Marcheseau because mm. of the goals. Sure. And the way that he was able to put this team on his shoulder at, at time and carry them through. But Chandler Stevenson has been really impressive, and especially his stretch drive. I'll, I'll give you two other names, though, and Alex Petrangelo and Shea Theodore. Where do they fit in, or should they fit in? Um, I mean, I think, I think Shea Theodore down the stretch probably with, like if you're Leaning into recency bias, it's probably Shea Theodore. He scored a bunch of big goals down the stretch for the Golden Knights, kind of kept things going and, and kept them alive. Um, you know, I, I think the, the point production is, is there over Petrangelo, but the usage for Petrangelo is slanted a lot more to heavier minutes. Um, I, I mean, I, I think I think you start going four or five deep, you're muddying it a little bit. Um, but if I'm choosing one over the other, it's probably Theodore over Petrangelo. Because of the points, right? Yeah. And big points at big times and big stretches uh, that got them through. Mm -hmm. uh, yep. it, it, it's Shea's a really interesting player because there's been multiple times over the course of Shea's career where he's played longer stretches that make you think Norris Trophy candidate if he can put it all together. And this goes back three years ago to two years ago, uh, and then this year at at times, if he can ever put it, and this is pre-Petrangelo, and it's current with, with Petrangelo, and maybe they'll saw off the, the vote, even if uh, even if they're both on, on top of their game, uh, but he, you see the potential in uh, a Shea Theodore and how much he can he can change this team's expectations uh, through the course of a game uh, and the potential of this team through the course of a game. Just that Seattle-Seattle-Vancouver that Seattle, Seattle, road trip itself. Yeah, I mean, listen, it, it was maybe the best stretch for Shea Theodore in, in terms of impact on this team and the standings, impact on this team down the stretch, and I it couldn't have come at a better time, and, and you needed a hero, and Shea Theodore was that for the Golden Knights over – uh, I would say over the course of the final 10, 12 games of the year, and you know, I, I, I think if I'm if I'm limiting it or if I'm expanding it to more than one or two, Shea Theodore is right there 
for me among Chandler Stevenson and Jonathan Marchessault. How much do you think this team missed Riley Smith? A lot. Like, I mean, I, I don't I don't know how much like it, there's there's really not deep analysis. You you look at Riley Smith and, and the impact that he has on your team. He plays in all situations. He's a great penalty killer. Um, and as much as we kind of, you know, gripe about the power play, the, the Golden Knights absolutely could have used Riley Smith and William Carlson as a tandem on the penalty kill because it doesn't get any better than that. It, it doesn't. And um I just think the responsibility, defensive responsibility that he brings to the table, Riley Smith can get streaky. He can score big goals. You know, we're, we're talking about a, a 38 point in 56 games, Riley Smith. So you're you're missing out on what 15 to 20 points of additional production it, just by having him in the lineup. If he was with you down the stretch, um, it, it's it's impossible to to look at that loss of Riley Smith as not being incredibly impactful for this team down the stretch. I want to make this clear. Uh, Riley and I have a good relationship. We have a fun relationship, a unique relationship. Uh, so so there's nothing untoward here. Uh, we get along really well. I am more inclined to re-sign Riley Smith now than I was before he left the lineup. Mm-hmm. Do you understand that? I do. I do. Like... I think it's easy to trick yourself into thinking that a player should be doing more or hasn't performed the way you'd like them to when they're in the lineup and you're maybe not aware of all the little things that they do well that helps a team win. And then it becomes very, very clear, starkly clear, that there are certain things certain players do in every single game at every single moment that lead to winning. And Riley Smith out of the lineup proved how valuable he is when he's in the lineup. So have we seen the last of the misfits as a combination? <sighs> Man, that's a really interesting question. Uh, I think it depends on the offseason, and, and I know we're not going to like dive too deep into what the Golden Knights should or shouldn't do right now, and I agree with you. I, I don't feel like it's the right time. Um, to say all three are back. And and I wasn't I, meaning that 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 somebody was being traded sure, or dealt away. Sure. I was more uh, thinking of a line because we saw so many different combinations this mm-hmm. year that didn't include the three misfits. Yeah, I I think that you have to find a combination that works without them together because they're all such great players and they bring something different to the table. Riley Smith is a hybrid of say uh, William Carlson and Jonathan Marchessault. Like Riley has that skill set right in the middle of those two. I think what we're seeing out of William Carlson as as he's further and further away from that breakout 43-goal year is that he is a player that can put the puck in the back of the net, not at the same clip, but what he does defensively is so, so valuable that I think you look at it in terms of pairs, not in terms of threes, and the pairing I'd use moving forward would be Carlson with Smith and some other player and turn that into a really hard to play against gets all the defensive responsibility that you want out of your team because you know that they're good enough to take the puck back go down and score goals i think with the addition of jack eichel and mike amadio i think we've seen the last of the three misfits together Mm-hmm. because yeah. of the different changes uh, and combinations that you can put together. Is uh, is Eichel with Pacioretty and Stone? I don't know. And I'm probably further from that than I ever was. And I was 
firmly in the camp of of Stevenson, Stone, and Pacioretty being aligned at the start. Uh, I, I think Eichel ends up skating with others. And is is that Jonathan Marsh? So uh, is that is that Riley Smith? I I, I I'm not sure. It's it, I would lean towards it right now. Mm-hmm. If I was going to put stuff on paper. I think uh, Amadio's development uh, has has certainly uh, fueled into it. And Nick Waugh and and his uh, further uh, uh, ability to light the lamp and and produce points and play bigger minutes. I I, I think this was one of those because it had to happen. You you saw Pete DeBoer change out the lineups so much. Uh, I think this was one of those turning of the pages uh, of, of the Misfits as a line. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think that you you have to find a combination that maximizes each player's skill set within the combination of a line. So the task at hand is how do you maximize Jack Eichel? How do you maximize Jonathan Marcheseau and what he does best, which is putting the puck in the back of the net, focusing on offense. Um, and how do you maximize what uh, William Carlson, and if Riley Smith is back, what Riley Smith does well? You know what you can also do? You can mm. spike the water cooler. Ooh. We got an update on that in the uh, the legal minute with Salmonash, SalmonashLaw.com. Somebody's in trouble for spiking the other team's water cooler. Didn't happen in the NHL, but it's a really cool, fun story. Uh, it's the legal minute coming up on Fox Sports Las Vegas. It's time for the Legal Minute with Sam and Ash on the VGK Insider Show. Ashley Watkins is with us, SamAndAshLaw.com, because you deserve what's right. 702-820-1234 on the VGK Insider Show. Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. How are you, Ash? I'm great, guys. How are you? I'm doing I'm doing good. I was actually with uh, with Sam this morning. We were going over the things over at the I went to the crash site for the first time and he was so awesome. And I got to say this, like I, I love you guys to death and and have from the very minute that uh, that we ever met. Uh, but uh, what you guys have been able to do just showing that you care a little bit and then you walk down the path of of uh, lawyer and the reconstruction. It is so awesome uh, being knowing that somebody's in your corner with you oh well darren i was jealous that i couldn't join you guys but we do care and we care a lot about you and everyone else in our community well it was uh you would have loved it uh too because i was on with uh with tyler and uh and ed at the same time while i was on a street corner uh doing it and 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 you know what? Uh, Sam was very patient with me while I was doing that. Uh, we, we had a great story. Uh, Spike in the, the, the water cooler. Uh, walk us through this here, Ryan. Yeah, so kind of wild. Um, there was a, a complaint made, a claim made that uh, Bethany College spiked Kansas Wesleyan's water cooler with paint thinner. Uh, there was a tweet of the cooler with a strange substance in it with allegations that the paint thinner was used to spike the water to get Kansas Wesleyan players sick. This is a baseball rivalry. Um, The police were investigating and the update that we have is that law enforcement has ruled out both Bethany College and um, uh, Kansas Wesleyan as being involved in this in any way. They have linked it to a couple of juveniles, but you know, the, the, the big question is, you know, that we were looking at was, is this, is this kind of a a rivalry or a a prank gone wrong? But now it looks like it's, it's something a little bit different than what we imagined it was. Well, yeah, regardless of what it is, mm-hmm. I mean, we I still don't know what kind of injuries or illnesses any of the players may have sustained from consuming this tainted water. Um, so this is definitely not just a rivalry gone wrong. This is criminal conduct. And 
that's one thing people and kids have to always remember. Your actions have consequences, and you have to think these things through. So whether it was intent or just, you know, silly rivalry, school rivalry intent, it doesn't matter. The, the consequences are serious. And so that's one thing that we've got to figure out and, and see, and hopefully everyone's okay. Now, on the, on the idea of injuries, like in the case of, of consuming something, do injuries have to present immediately for them to be considered in, in a lawsuit or something like that? Or, uh, you know, if something presents itself, say, three weeks, two months, whatever the case down the line, what, what's the statute there? Well, it all depends on actually the substance that you consume and what the illness is. I mean, you hear a lot about exposure, chemical exposure cases, and those injuries don't necessarily manifest immediately you you know you eventually get a diagnosis later on down the road and then your doctor would link it to some type of chemical exposure you might have incurred but with food or ingesting anything like a drink or food it's usually within the past 24 to 48 hours and so it is critical that if you are ill and you believe it's food related you go to a doctor you tell them what you ate and then you try and trace it back that way and you know there are experts out there that will do it any idea what the juveniles might be charged with? Well, so a lot of it hinges on what the injuries are. You know, if, wow. if some of these players had to go to the hospital for stomach issues or anything like that, that's significant, and that will increase the charges they face. But, you know, I've read that they're looking at battery charges, knowingly, recklessly causing bodily harm, also trespass and damage to property. I mean, there's a host of crimes these, these kids are facing. Like, were they out of booze? Like, that's what I would have done. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Someone needs to tell them this is not how you spike a water cooler. Exactly. Paint thinner is, <laughs> is not the same thing. Like, go, go down. If you're just trying to win the game, throw a couple of uh, jugs of vodka in there and then and then have some fun. You'll have them lined up at the water cooler uh, well, ready I to go. Just pay the ump. I don't know. There's easier ways, I'm sure, to mess with it. Have you ever heard of anything like this before? Oh, you always hear these stories. I remember when I played basketball, uh, we were a fast-paced, full-court pressing team, and we were going up a slower, larger team. And so when we showed up at their home court, they had the heat turned up, blaring. And so to fatigue us because, you know, that, that wears on you. And so, you know, you always hear these little mind games that go on, but um, this extent, I've never really heard of it or experienced it, and I highly urge people to think twice before uh, trying to conduct any prank. Yeah, teams painting their dressing room, the visiting team dressing room right before a game. I've heard of that. The heat is a big one. Throwing sand down near the uh, the visiting team's locker room in hockey and having them yep. have to walk out uh, through that to damage blades. But this, this is this is bizarre, and, and I. I'm going to be the pessimist here. Uh, I have a hard time thinking that two juveniles come up with this themselves. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. They've got it. They got an idea somewhere, and it's going to be interesting. I'm sure we're, this isn't the last we'll hear about the case. So I'm with you. I'm curious to see how it plays out. Uh, what are you thinking, uh, NFL draft wise, uh, with uh, with all the festivities coming around uh, Vegas this week? Look, I've seen it. I, you know, I've never recalled a draft being of fan experience before i just remember it being a tv thing yeah and so what vegas is doing is incredible and i'm so proud that we're doing this uh, i was over at the d this morning uh, after i met with sam and uh, yeah. had, uh, had a meeting and it was hopping at 10 o'clock in the morning 
uh, Circa D and Fremont Street, and it was it was really cool. And I thought the same thing. Like uh, Vegas is showing off like you would not believe right now. We really are, and it's cool to see all these fans wearing their jerseys to watch the future of their teams be built. So I'm I'm really excited about it, and you know we're setting the bar high for anyone else who has to follow our act. Yeah, there's no way anybody can follow us. <laughs> no, uh, that includes this segment, SalmonAshLaw.com, uh, because you deserve what's right, 702-820-1234. Uh, you are uh, awesome, and uh, it's great to catch up with you again. Oh, great to catch up with you guys. Talk to you soon. There's Ashley Watkins from SalmonAsh, SalmonAshLaw.com, 702-820-1234. If you were going to spike the water cooler, I'm going vodka. What are you going with, Ryan? Oh, whiskey. Come on. Really? Yeah. Because they would taste that a little bit more. Vodka's a yeah, little bit I, less subtle. Like I'm, I'm spiking it for my own consumption, so it's with oh. <laughs> If it's your own water bottle or yeah. water cooler. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's, yeah, no, there's, there's no water in there, Darren. If, if it's my water cooler, I'm right with you, and, and I'm, ba- <laughs> I'm trying to elbow you out of the way. Uh, you, you and I can share a water cooler anytime. Uh, that's the Legal Minute brought to you by SalmonAshLaw.com. Hour number two of the VGK Insider Show continues on Fox Sports Las Vegas. This has been the Legal Minute with Sam and Ash on the VGK Insider Show brought to you by Sam and Ash. Visit them at SamAndAsh.com because you deserve what's right.